You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are we? Man, it's good to see you, man. Glad you're here. Can we give everyone online a welcome? Just like give them a good Creek welcome. Like, we love you guys. Glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Uh, You may be watching this live with us. You may be watching this at some later date, but thank you for watching. Thank you for joining in. And uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be a part of a church that, we, that I get to be a part of. I love the creek. Um, I was up here today, um, and I'm not bragging, but I gave convalescent plasma today, and I didn't pass out. So, I mean, I got the little bruise and everything. But I was blown away because I pulled in the parking lot, and normally Carter Blood Care has a bus or sometimes two. There were four buses in our parking lot today, y'all. And, and they, gave us, they gave us a plaque that said community hero for 2020 because of what you did during the pandemic. So thank you for that, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You gave enough blood to get a plaque. How's that? No, you, you're saving lives. I mean, that's every, isn't that what the gospel is all about, right? Saving our life. And then we're called to be engaged in that and saving others' lives. And so thank you for that. Thank you for being selfless with your blood and your plasma and your platelets and all the fun stuff. And uh, I'm excited about it. I love, I love getting to be a part of a church that's engaged in our community and engaged in making a difference in the world. Um, sometimes you get stuck. Have you ever been stuck? I mean, like, maybe you've been driving off-road and got stuck, or maybe you're just in a situation you feel stuck, but being stuck is just, I, I don't like it. You know, I, you know, when I get stuck on an airplane with a delay, um, Heather has to walk me through some exercises. You know, I feel like, I feel like I'm about to just lose my mind because I'm sitting in a capsule with everyone, and now I'm sitting in a capsule wearing a mask. And, and it's just like this delay. And, and one time Heather asked me, she goes, why do you get so frustrated? Why do you get so uptight when we're sitting on an airplane and we're just delayed? And, and I finally was able one time to put vocabulary to it. And, it. and I answered it this way, because I'm in a place of motion, but I'm sitting still. That's what feeling stuck is in my mind. I should be moving. This past October, Heather and I got stuck. We, we took our 25th year anniversary wedding, or our 25th wedding anniversary trip, and we went to Playa, no, went to Playa Mujeres, and we got there, beautiful weather, a couple days into the trip. I mean, we, we had planned a long trip, 10 nights, and, and we're like, man, get out of COVID, let's go, here we are, first couple days, beautiful sunshine, everything, and then we get a thing that says there's a tropical storm coming through named Delta, and I was like... Awesome. And they said, should be bad, shouldn't be bad, blow over in a day. And it did, it blew over. We went and sat in the lobby and we read and we were watching the lobby flood and everybody's working and sweeping up water. And we're like, man, but they had it cleaned up the next day, resorts back to pristine. And then we're sitting in the lobby and somebody says, there's a hurricane coming. And it was like, what? And they said, yeah, it's supposed to hit as a category three. And then it just started getting crazy. So then we find out they're going to take our our entire resort and they're going to put us on buses and take us to shelters. Now, I've seen the news, okay? And I know what shelters look like on the news. And so in my mind, I'm building it up even worse. And so I I talked to one of the employees. I was like, so so if they they take us to a shelter, where are we going? What's that going to be like? And they're like, well, you basically go to a school camp 
campus, and, and our resort would be in a certain area of the school campus, a college campus, and we would be staying like several people to a conference room. That stuck. That, that, to me, that stuck, okay? And so Heather and I, we made the choice. We can stay or go. We got out of there, baby. I paid more than I ever thought imaginable to rent a car, and, and we drove out of Cancun. We drove west, and the whole way there, we're high-fiving each other, like, at least we're not stuck, you know? We are not stuck. We, we, we I, I, you know, and, and control is an illusion, right? But at least I felt like I was in control, and I was like, we're going, baby. We're going. We're moving. I will drive 30 minutes out of my way just to stay moving. I mean, if I'm sitting on the freeway sitting still, or I drive 30 minutes out of my way to keep moving, I'm going to take the keep moving way, because we're, we're wired for movement, right? So we get, we get into this, this city west of Cancun, four hours west, and we go into our hotel, and, and we had a room, we had booked it, and like the hotel, so COVID capacity is like 30%. This hotel was like 120%. People were sleeping on couches in the lobby and everything, and, and we, but we got a room, but we realized one thing, we're stuck here, because <laughs> it is pouring. I'd parked the rental car in the parking garage, which is under the hotel, and I had to walk down every hour to check on the car, because the, the parking garage was flooding, and so I was like watching the, the come up. The whole second and third level below was already flooded. Cars underwater. We're on the first level. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I'm just trying to watch it. And, and so I'm watching that. The last day we were there, there's about two inches of water on the floor of that parking garage. But, but I was like, all right, let's go. We finally got to go, but we were watching. Where can we go? We spent hours Heather spent hours on the phone with the airlines trying to change tickets. Can we go out of here? Can we get to here? And it was just, it was chaos. But, but so it started out thinking like, we're, we're moving, baby. Then we find ourselves stuck again. And a lot of times life feels like that, right? You make some progress and then you get stuck. Then you make some progress, then you get stuck. And, and church is kind of similar to that, that we have this mission. We have this vision of motion, that, that we're wired to be moving, and as we move, sometimes we get stuck. You know, one of the things that, that was thrown at the entire world was, was COVID. And, and, and for, for a while, I felt like the church was stuck. And, and we had to get much better at doing the things we do in our community. We, we kind of, things that didn't matter. Because, right, when you're stuck, you kind of just offload some things, right? How do we lighten the load to try to get unstuck? So as a church, we're like, are we, we're doing these things that, 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 that we're just doing them. And so we got rid of those quickly. But it was kind of, how do we keep ministry going forward? How do we keep getting the gospel to people? How do we keep the connection? Because, because as much as the pandemic is an issue for our health, there's, there's an emotional health issue that we can't ignore because of our disconnection from each other. The isolation is just as dangerous. I mean, we've seen over a million suicide deaths in 2020. The depression rates are ridiculous. I got, I got a letter from one of our missionaries on the field this week, and he's talking about the starvation issues because people who are in need of food, can't, they now can't even get food 
because lockdowns have gotten so tight. And so we, we've got to realize there's, there's, a, there's, there's so much more than going on than just the COVID pandemic. There's, there's offshoots of things. And the church, you and I, the church, we have a responsibility to get in gear and not sit back and help people feel connected. If it's not sitting in a room like this and being together, but, but reaching out to your neighbor, just going over, wearing a mask on their front porch and say, I just came to check on you. You know, just we, we've got to continue that process. And I know that we're fatigued. I know that you're tired. I know you're fed up with restrictions. I know you're, and, and, and the reason I know, because I am. I mean, I, there, there's so many things that we've had to add to our routines that I'm just, I'm just fed up with. But we still, we, we can feel stuck by that or we can figure it out and get, get into motion. And there's always going to be, listen, there's always going to be opposition to the gospel. There's always going to be opposition to the mission and vision that God has for the church. Because we have an enemy that does not want to see that happen. We have an enemy that wants to keep people disconnected, to keep people isolated, to get people not just not physically ill, but emotionally ill and spiritually kill them. He has a desire to destroy everything about us. And, and we as the church have to really stand the ground for the gospel. And even when it's difficult, listen, the gospel, even under persecution, can't be stopped. When we think about the things that come against the gospel, it, the gospel is a movement that, that Jesus is at the center of, his life, his death, his, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, that good news, that gospel, the good news of what God did through Christ in us, that we can have life, nothing can stop it. You can't oppress it into, into stopping, and you can't persecute it out of existence. I, I, I did some research, and I just want to show you some things. According to Operation World, it's an organization that, that runs a lot of stats and helps, helps Christians understand other countries and how to pray for other countries. But they have an incredible online resource if, you, if you're concerned about praying for the nations, Operation World. But, but according to their, their site and their studies, this is where the gospel is growing fastest in the world right now. It's growing in Iran. Wait, I thought Iran was, was, was a regime that, that this just shut people down and that, that you couldn't practice Christianity and that it, it, it just squashed. It's just, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a tyrannical regime. It's growing by 19.6% a year. And you know what I love about it? You know who's leading the charge? Women. God, yes, man. In, in, in an environment where women are oppressed and, and devalued, they're leading the gospel movement in Iran. Well, it's not just an anomaly. You know where it's growing the second fastest? is Afghanistan. Wait a second. 16, almost 17% growth in Afghanistan. So you look at hard places, North Korea, 6%. Hard places can't shut the gospel down. On the flip side, places where it seems to be easy, we deal with apathy. Look at America's growth, 0.8%. America doesn't make the list of the countries on earth where the gospel is growing the fastest. America is on the other list where it's growing the slowest or declining. And num number 30 on that list is the United States of America at 
where we have the freedom to gather, where we have the freedom of religion, where we actually have a constitution that we as a nation can stand on and say we have a right given to us by our founding fathers to practice our freedom and, and unobstructively pursue the gospel. We got some work to do at home, y'all. And T.D. Jakes made a, a very powerful indictment against the American church. He said, the American church does a great job of stepping over the hurting on their doorstep to go across the world. And what that says to me is the church at home has fallen asleep. And we've got work to do. We can't settle in. Because Jesus gave us a command. Jesus said in Mark 16, go into all the world. Go everywhere and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. See, I think a lot of times we as, as the church and Christians in America, and especially in our context, we get comfortable and we go, well, well I, I don't want to go to other places, but, but I'll tell you what, I'll help fund people to go. And that's important. That's a vital piece. If you're not called to go, then help somebody go. I mean, we, we, we've got next month, we've got um, a dream weekend coming up where we have the opportunity to change the lives and change eternities for kids in Africa. And I, I, if you sponsor a child, here's my invitation to you. Come to Africa with us. As soon as they'll let us back in, come to Africa with us. It will change your life. But some of you may, I'm not called to go to Africa. Then help somebody get there. That's part of the go. But listen, that, that go doesn't just mean that we look across the globe. It means we look across the street. It means we look across the aisle. It means we go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Think about Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Think of concentric circles. It's moving out. We, we tend to focus on the outer ring. But listen, if you're on the range and you want the bullseye, right? I've been on men's campouts, man, and, and we set the target out as far as we can go. And nobody's like, hey, I want to hit the outer ring. I mean, when you get men on a shooting range, there, there, there's pride on the line. You know, pride, you know, the kind that, that your mother had, not the kind in the Bible that turns you bad, right? You know, you just, yeah, I got pride. I got to shoot better than everybody else. You go for the bullseye, right? Well, when you think about the gospel movement, when he said, when Jesus said Jerusalem, he's saying this to the disciples, the apostles saying like, you start at home. And what you do in the home starts to work out. If, if you don't serve in your home, you have unfulfilled service outside of your home. If you don't serve in your home and yet serve outside of your home, you have hypocritical service happening in your home because you're saying, I'm unwilling to serve those that God has put me in the closest connection with, yet I will neglect you to go somewhere else to help somebody else. Listen, we are, it's, it's the concentric circle. Start at your epicenter. And, and our epicenter, listen, we could say Fort Worth. Or we could say Texas, we could say U.S., but let, let me say this. It's your family. Start with your family. 
Start there. And Jesus would go on after he says, go into all the world. He says in verse 16, he said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And what I love about this is that the gospel is the message. The movement of the gospel has a message. It's the message of Jesus. And he says, those who believe will be saved and those who don't believe will be condemned. It's this truth. The gospel demands a response. That when we present the gospel, it demands a response. And no decision is a decision. I mean, we're, we're told in Revelation, one of the charges is that if we become lukewarm, Jesus says, I want to spit you out of my mouth. Literal translation, I want to throw you up. I want you hot. I'd rather have you cold. Because if you're somewhere in the middle, you're wishy-washy. I mean, n- nobody wants to take a lukewarm bath, you know. Like, I, I helped my daughter and son-in-law move this week. I don't know why, but I did. And I wanted to get into a hot tub. I didn't want to get into a lukewarm bath. I wanted to get into something that's going to make a difference, right? That's exactly what happens. When we share the gospel, we're sharing the difference maker. And listen, we, we're not accountable for those results, y'all. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. What we're accountable to do is what Jesus said, go and tell. That's our responsibility. Then he's going to talk about this, these signs that accompany. And this is where I want, to, I want to focus this weekend's teaching because I taught this passage in week one of the focus series. It was all about relationship and coming to that point of decision about your relationship with Jesus, that, that the gospel's in your space, Jesus is in your space, and you have to make a decision about him. But now it's collectively us that what we as the church are called to do, and that's the go. But Jesus gives us some beautiful encouragement in this when he, he says the next uh, several verses, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, in the name of Jesus, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They, lay, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus, we need some recovery happening in our community. So then the Lord Jesus, after he'd spoken to them, was taken up to into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus went to sit in the place of honor in glory. So, so he says... Go, all the things that I've trained you in, you've seen me do these things, you've walked with me, you've experienced my presence, you've experienced my power, you've experienced everything about me, I have finished it, I have paid the penalty for sin, I have broken the bonds of the enemy, and he is the king, and he is the Lord, and at this moment, he says, go into all the world and share this message, share your experience, share your story, And as you do, these things are going to happen. You're going to see some miraculous things happen that when opposition comes, you're going to stand in the face of it and I'm going to tell you through the Holy Spirit what to say. When when things come to attack you, I'm going to provide for you. And this is just a beautiful promise. And then after Jesus says this, he's ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He is given the place of glory. Philippians would say that he was seated at the right hand of the Father and God gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every tongue will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And he sits there forevermore. 
But it says, and they, they obeyed. See, we talk about discipleship. And like, I, if you want to grow as a Christian, grow as a Christ follower, there's two things that you do. I mean, I don't have to give a three-point message. I'm not going to write a book about this because it's, it's two words. Listen and obey. You listen to what Jesus is saying. Go. You have this message. You have a story that is miraculous, that is life-changing. Go. And they said, well, Jesus said go, so what do we do? We go. And they went. They went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Now, where was the Lord? It says, then the Lord worked with them. Where was Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. See, when you look at Acts chapter two, after Jesus has ascended, the, the believers are gathered in an upper room and the place that they were praying, where they were gathered and they were praying was shaken. And then, then the Holy Spirit descends like a mighty rushing wind and tongues as of fire. So it's like the power, the presence of God is now just, he, he's moving in and he takes up residence in the life of the believer. I've been doing a Wednesday devotion through the book of Exodus. And in Exodus, when the, God was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, there was the presence of God. There was the fire by night and the cloud by day so they could see the presence of God. In the Old Testament, God is presiding over his people. In Acts chapter two, he changed his address from the sky to our heart, that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, that that's where the Holy Spirit of the Lord dwells. When you say, do you want Jesus in your heart? It's not Jesus physically moving in your heart. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. What happens, the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit moves in, seals us for the day of redemption, leads us into truth, convicts us of sin and concerning righteousness, and he is that force, that power at work within us. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that fueled this movement of the gospel that can't be stopped. And when they started preaching this gospel in Acts chapter 5, I love it, they got arrested. The gospel can get you into some trouble, y'all. I mean, you read through the New Testament, a man named Paul, right? Paul got radically changed by Jesus, by the gospel. Paul would say this to the gospel, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It's the best thing because I know where my life, my hope, my eternity, and I know who my Lord and Savior is. But I keep getting thrown into prison. I keep getting beaten. I get stoned. I got shipwrecked. I got bit by a snake. I mean, that, that whole thing, that the snake will bite you and stuff. It bit Paul. He threw a thing in the fire, and he still lived. They thought he was a God. He ends up preaching the gospel. That's what Paul would do. He would go and preach the gospel. It would stir up trouble, man, because when you start taking ground back from the enemy, he doesn't give it easily. They get arrested, and the, 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 I love what is said. It's in Acts chapter 5, like 38 through 40, but, but the one, one of the men said, hey, hey, stop, stop this discussion, y'all. If this move is of man, it'll fail. If this old church thing is man-made, it's not going to last. If this whole idea that God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us on a cross and just by believing in him and confessing that he's Lord and genuinely turning our heart to him that we're saved and we have an eternity with him and we have an abundant life now, if all that's man-made stuff, it's not gonna last. But, he said, if this is of the Lord, 
you won't stop it. As a matter of fact, all your religious leaders, if you, you'll find yourself in the opposition of God. And it says, they took his advice and they left him alone. Now they beat him before they released him. But he said something 2,000 years ago. If this is of man, it'll fail. But if this is of God, there is no power on earth or power in hell that will stop the gospel movement because it is fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. That when Jesus sends us out, he says, I'm sending you out like, like lambs among wolves, but he doesn't send us out powerless. He sends us out. He says, you will have power in my name. He says, you, when it says that you will, you will cast out demons in my name, you will heal the sick in my name. I mean, remember last week we talked about freedom. In the name of Jesus, this power is let go. All while Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us and the Lord is working with the believers. That's the power for the go. Listen, I, I got a new truck a month ago and I'm still in the transition. I haven't, I, I, I haven't, I just yesterday put all the stuff from my old truck into my new truck. I, I'm slow, okay? I'm a creature of habit and I, I like what I like, but the biggest transition that I have gone through is I went from a V8 <laughs> to a V6. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. I know I need sympathy, man. Y'all pray for me. I need to sustain them. I need the power of the Lord in that truck. I'm just saying, yeah. But the first day I had it, Heather drove it to church. And I was like, okay, I'm taking OG. So I drove my old V8. And I walked in the green room. I looked at Heather. I was like, the power's undeniable. There's nothing like a V8. I mean, give me more, give me more, give me more. But a lot of us Christians, listen to me, you got V8 power pent up inside of you and you're trying to pedal your own bicycle. You're trying to do this on your own. And the Holy Spirit's just said, if you'll, if you'll just submit to me and release this to me, baby, I will take you places you could never imagine. I will show you signs that you never thought you would see. If you'll just let the power of the Holy Spirit released in you. You know, people say, I just want more of God. I just want more of God. Here's the thing. God says, you got all of me you want. That's the good news, right? We have all of God we want, but you know what the bad news is? We have all of God that we want. And our want needs to change. Do you really want more? See, a lot of people don't want more because it means when that power starts working... That means the Holy Spirit's going to take you into some conversations where people are going to be opposed to you. Well, what do I say to them? Jesus said, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you're brought before rulers and authorities and kings. You just trust in the Holy Spirit. Listen, I have been in those meetings. I have been in those environments where I'm like, Holy Spirit, you got to speak. And this is what I felt like. I got a text from my best friend from middle school this week. And, and here's something we used to do. I mean, some of y'all might not remember this, like a landline. Do you remember a landline? And then there was these features that came out from the phone company call waiting. Oh, oh got another call. Hang on. Hello? Oh, yeah, I got somebody on the line. Hang on. Oh, I'm talking to so-and-so. But then there was a feature that changed every middle school boy's life. Three-way calling. 
Because <laughs> I'd be like, Jeremy, would you call her on three-way and just talk to her about me? Find out if she likes me? Because I, th- listen, technological advancement, y'all. I went from writing the note, I like you, do you like me, check yes or no, to three-way calling technology. I'll be on the phone, but you talk. I got to tell you, I've had that same conversation with God. All right, God, I'll dial the number, but you talk. All right, God, I'll say yes to this meeting, but you talk. And it is amazing how the Holy Spirit moves in those moments and does something so beautiful where he can bring reconciliation where we think a relationship's dead, where he can speak life. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit will use my vocal cords to speak life into somebody that I don't even want to have a conversation with because they don't like me. Listen, some of y'all, here's the thing. Some of y'all need to dial the number and let the Holy Spirit speak. Speak to his power. God gives us provision for this movement. He gives us everything we need for this movement. He says, I've got it for you. When he said you'll speak in new tongues, that's provision. That's a way for us to have a heavenly language to speak to the Holy Spirit. Not everybody speaks in tongues. Don't get freaked out about that, y'all. Paul said that's the least a gift. He said, I would rather you prophesy than speak in a tongue. What does prophesy mean? It means to clearly proclaim the word of God. I would much rather have the church, Jesus is saying, going around speaking clearly what this word says than all these unintelligible words. So let's get the priorities straight when the gifting of the Holy Spirit, the provision through the gifts of the Holy Spirit come on us. Because the provision and the gifts, when the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts, for t- there's two purposes I want to show you in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. It's for building up the body. So, so the manifestation, the gifting is to equip the saints. You and I are the saints. The redeemed are the saints. Those who are, are, are called out by God that we have called on the name of Jesus and he says, you're my saints. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What is the ministry? Building up the body of Christ. Not building buildings, building people. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, here, here it is. God gives each the manifestation of the spirit. Listen to this, for the common good. God doesn't give you a spiritual gift for your good. Listen, your spiritual gift is for our good. That when the Holy Spirit moves, when he says in my name, when you cast out a demon, and so you exercise that authority, that provision of authority, listen, that's not for you. You just freed somebody. Now tell them who freed them, not you. Tell them who freed them and why. If you're gonna pray over the sick and they recover, that gift of healing, it's not for you. It's so Jesus can be made perfectly clear. And listen, if you got that gift of healing and that provision is on your life, you need to be praying for some people who are sick. That's the provision. And the provision, listen, God supplies what we need. We love the Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches, right? We love that on the coffee mug. We love that on the bumper sticker. We love, well, I just don't know how I'm going to make it this way. My God will supply all your needs. Listen, the context of that, y'all, is gospel movement. God doesn't supply your needs for you. He supplies his needs for you to work in his movement. That's coming from Paul. 
That's coming from a man who would be in prison, and the only time he got to eat is if somebody brought him food. My God will supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches because I'm hungry and I'm in prison for preaching the gospel, and he called on somebody to bring me some food. This morning when I was walking to the bus, the director of of Carter was walking me to the bus, and she said, I just have to share a story with you. She said, what you guys are doing and donating the blood and donating the, the convalescent plasma especially. She said, I got a call from a woman who had COVID and they were doing everything they can, doing everything they can. They put on a ventilator and, and I don't know if you've been tracking, but many who go on ventilators don't make it off. But she said, I got the convalescent plasma and that's what they attributed my recovery to. Oh my goodness, I, was like, I, I, I wish I could meet that woman. And, and, and if, if you've received any of that convalescent, listen to me, listen to me. The power is not in my blood, but the power is in the precious blood of Jesus. And he will do so much greater. That's the provision for the gospel movement. You didn't just give that to save somebody's life. You gave it to have a conversation so you could connect them with the true life-saving blood. He will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches for his gospel movement. I mean, think about other verses we like to take out of context in that. You know, by the way, um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not something you say before you try to bench press 300 pounds. You know, I can do all things through Christ. No, that, the context is gospel movement. If you bench in 300 pounds, is going to get somebody saved in your gym, then yeah, he'll give you that power. He'll give you the strength to do that. But it better not be for you to show off how much you can bench. It's for you to show off the power of God at work within you. Listen, it's about the context of the gospel movement. God supplies for his work, not ours. And then there's divine protection in the gospel movement. I love this one. He said, you'll you'll deal with snakes, you won't get hurt. Now, I'm not touching a snake, y'all. I mean, I mean, also reading the Bible, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I mean, Jesus even said that, right? He said that when he was defending himself against the enemy. So don't put your Lord your God in your test. I'm not going to go, hey, there's a, I'm not going to, there's a rattlesnake. Let's touch it, you know? You know Crikey, if this thing bites me, you know? <laughs> this thing bites me, I'm not going to be dead. I'm going to be alive because I've got Jesus. No, Jesus is going to say, welcome home, son. That was stupid. <laughs> I told you to walk by faith, not stupidity. But, but listen, that what that's saying is there's divine protection for us. That Paul would say in Philippians 1, he was so sure of the protection of God that he says this line that, that, that has baffled so many, but to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he's saying to his captors, he was chained to the prison guard at that time, and he's like, look, if I live... I'm going to live for the glory of Christ because as I'm alive, all the guard is hearing about the gospel. And if I die, hey, I'm going home. The only thing death can do to a Christ follower is make my life eternally better. That's it. You know, I've had to stop saying the line like, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well, but hey, it beats the alternative. Well, the alternative for me is death, right? I'm going home. I will be in the presence of Jesus. I mean, I will have that glorified body, all these sheds, all these pounds, I'll be, they'll be gone. I mean, all, all these, like, my, my, I, I can't wait to be in the presence of God. 
Paul's like, the safest place for me is in the presence and in the will of God. Listen, you can be in the most dangerous place on the planet, Iran, Afghanistan. And if you're there in the middle of God's will, that's the safest place for you to be. The most dangerous place for you to be is to find some area you think is safe and your comfort and be outside the will of God. Look, I'm convinced of this. God knows the number of my days. I don't live recklessly. As I get older, I live more safely and safely. But here's what I understand. If preaching the gospel gets me in trouble, that's the safest place I'll ever be. When persecution starts coming to America, the safest place is going to be preaching the gospel. You want to kill me for preaching the gospel? I'll go home. You going to let me live for preaching the gospel? Then everybody's going to hear it. It's the safest place. We've got to understand that this movement, this gospel movement is all powered by God. And it is what he has called us to do. The power, the provision, the protection, it's all for the movement of the gospel. And, and we can talk about that. We can have these great conversations. And, and, and some of you are like, well, that's great. But if you don't understand why, you're not going to get going. The why is this. Heaven and hell are real places. And people are really going to them. And we have the message to change that. And there's no small task in this. I mean, why, why do I get on a serve team? I mean, why, why should I greet? Why should, why, what's the great eternal significance in that? Listen, one area that, 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 that we, we have needs in all areas. I mean, since we've reopened, um, a lot of our volunteers haven't been able to come back yet. And we're running on skeleton staff, man, skin and bone staff. And there's no small task in the house. Listen, I believe in a balanced approach. You serve in the house, right? Because we serve at home and we serve out there. We don't neglect here to go out there and we don't neglect there to get everything covered here. We balance that because our service, listen, some of us, sometimes it's a sacrifice. Sometimes to serve God is a sacrifice. We got a Christmas card I want to share with you this year. And standing outside, rain or shine, hot or cold, Every one of y'all, if you've been on a Sunday, you've been greeted by Tim G, Dr. G. That's right. And, and there are, I just want to read you. This is a Christmas card sent to us to give to him. Hi, I don't attend your church. However, I drive by every Sunday. You always have such a big smile and are so enthused to be welcoming people into the house of God. You truly put a smile on my face and always make my week better. Thank you for always being that sunshine that I need. We serve in the house because people outside of the house see what's happening in the house. We balance it. And somebody like, what can I do? Here, I want to just do something with you. Everybody just raise your right hand and turn your palm towards you like this. And just do this. You have all passed the qualification for parking lot. Okay. Take your right hand. Stick it out like this. Come on, everybody. Come on. Go with me on this. Do this. Oh, wait, wait. We're in COVID. Hang on. This is the greeter test. Just so y'all know. Okay. Everybody do this. Okay. Do this. 
Now smile with your eyes. <laughs> You've just passed the greeter test. Okay, everybody do this. <laughs> Come on now. We're training. And do this. You've just passed the usher test. Okay, I'm not going to make y'all do this one, but how about this? You've just passed the ability to get down on a child's level and change their life. That's what we're called to do. Because this gospel movement is a movement that will never be stopped. And our choice is easy. We get on board or we watch it go by. But the fulfilling life is found on board. And if you're ready to get on board, we got opportunities. If you're watching online, we have virtual opportunities. Tons of them. But send us a message. See us at the Welcome Center. We're not going to send you out untrained. Some of y'all think, well, I don't know enough Bible. That's all right. I don't either. That's why I study. But we got work to do. And God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And he's called us. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you trust us to take this message, to take this news to a world that is so desperate for change, for so desperate for life. And I'm asking you right now to just stir in us a passion to see this gospel movement take root in our soul, in, in our heart, and work out from there. God, let, let the epicenter be me. I thank you that you've given us all different abilities and gifts but we all have the same power, the power from the Holy Spirit. You give us different ways to do things, but you've given us your provision to do the gospel movement. And God, we get scared because we start listening to the enemy to tell us we're not good enough and that we can't make an impact. And God, I thank you that you provide a protection over our heart and our mind. You guard that in Christ Jesus so we can do the will of the Father, so we can glorify you. Thank you for choosing to work in us and work through us. God, I'm just praying right now that as we serve, that lives are changed. Not so we get the glory, but so you get the glory because you're the only one worthy of it. In your precious, powerful name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at